Welcome to Radical Embodiment, the podcast where we challenge societal norms and redefine what it means to be fully present in our bodies. I'm your host, Emily Wishall. I am an embodiment coach, certified rolfer, and author of the book, Radical Embodiment, a practical guide to celebrating the skin you're in. Living a radically embodied life means making a consistent, courageous, and intentional choice each and every day to truly be in our bodies. It's about reclaiming our power, breaking free from harmful narratives, and cultivating a deep connection with ourselves. I am absolutely thrilled to introduce you to season five's lineup of guests. In the upcoming 12 episodes, you'll have the opportunity to listen to insightful interviews with friends, teachers, colleagues, and experts in the fields of movement, fascia, and the body. Each episode offers a diverse range of perspectives and a wealth of knowledge for you to immerse yourself in. I hope you find these interviews as enlightening and inspiring to listen to as I did when I was recording them. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 8 of the podcast. I'm excited today to get to bring you Nikki Olson. Um, It's my third ever interview that we got to do in person versus normally we do these over Zoom. So it's just always such a treat to get to actually like be together. Nikki is a fellow Rolfer. Um, She lives locally here in Boulder. And her mission is to help individuals become more structurally integrated through manual manipulation and movement. She has been trained in Rolfing for over 20 years. She has been a teacher on faculty at the Rolf Institute. Um, She also has extensive training in different movement modalities, um, such as gyrotonic expansion system, yoga, TRX, and kettlebells. Um, So in the interview, um, I just think Nikki has a lot of wisdom and just personal perspective and insights to offer. She's a mom of two, um, two boys, ages, I think seven and 10, and um, shares a little bit about her birthing process, um, a little bit about, you know, being with her body and the body changes postpartum. Um, so I think it's just a great interview and I hope you enjoy it. Hi everyone. Here I am with Nikki Olson. Nikki, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This is my, um, this is especially sweet treat. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see we're in the same room. This is the third time I've gotten to do an interview in person, which it's really nice. Yeah. So thanks for coming over. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we're going to start with the question I always start with of what embodiment means to you. Well, I think embodiment means, I for me, I feel like it can mean a lot of things. Yeah. So, but the ultimate probably definition is having a sincere relationship with yourself and having the ability to understand your interoception of like knowing where you are, you know, beyond just like proprioception of like where you are in space, but what does that mean where you are in space? Mm-hmm. And of course there's, you know, the embodiment movement practices, you know, we've done yoga flow to, together, not yoga flow, animal flow together. Um, there's, you know, the somatic movement, all those that I think help challenge us in different positions in space and kind of get to know what that means for us beyond just the, can I do this? Am I strong enough to do it? And having that kind of relationship of just, yeah, developing who you are in movement and in safety. Yeah. That's an, that's an important piece. And that sincere piece I love. Yeah. 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 Like a sincere, safe connection with your body. And yeah. Movement. And so before our, our conversation on, on the, the real podcast conversation, you and I had a little chat and mm-hmm. I brought up what's, what's holding my attention right now, and especially with the prompting question you sent through email is what, it, what does embodiment mean? And, um, what keeps on coming up mm-hmm. is embodiment in 
in a, a time in yourself where you are either in real paralysis. So like for me, I've had, I had two very medical deliveries. I have a brother who's quadriplegic. So in, in those moments, well, from just speaking to me personally, when I, um, my first kid, and it's still all this very loud conversation I had with myself that probably was only about five seconds. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, I was, I had two medical deliveries. My first, both of them were intended to be drug-free. Um, I always wanted, I, I did want to birth in a hospital, but I wanted to do it drug-free. But my first one, <clears throat> I needed to be induced and had all these other things. But, um, but yeah, but I had a, um, a doula to help me out. And I remember I had this moment and like leading up to, you know, preparing for delivery and being in the wellness industry and people, you know, want to ask questions of like, what's your birth plan and this and that. Yeah. Of, oh, you're going to, you're going to be drug free. Like a lot of this projection of like what it's going to look like for me. And I kind of also had my plan and I, you know, wanted it to be drug free and um, I hesitant to say natural because after I had my experience, even though I had very medical deliveries, they also were very natural. Mm, yeah. So, um, but I had a moment where, you know, I wasn't dilating. The baby was starting to become like showing signs of stress. Mm. And I was like, oh, but, but I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to do it this way. Yeah. I'm supposed to be, you know, drug free and, you know, earth mama. And I'm like, wait a minute. Whoa. <laughs> but like I had this, you know, few seconds of like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm like, no, this is not how my body is responding to the delivery. And what a great opportunity that I get to be in the hospital. I get to have medical interventions to allow me to have this baby. Mm. And so, so then I get the epidural and I think it's very classic because I have a a tattoo on my back that's a family tree, mm -hmm. but there's like an angel that kind of creates the branches mm -hmm. and the epidural needle happens to be piercing right in that angel spot in my low back. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's um, really nice though. <laughs> it feels like I love the, the picture. Yeah, yeah. Like the image of it consumes like, okay, if you're getting the epidural, however you feel about it and like mm -hmm. it's, you're being held by something greater. Yeah. 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 Very literally. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the epidural kicks in and now I can't feel myself, feel like blow my waist uh, and, or, you know, mm -hmm. blow my belly button. And I'm sitting there and they're like, all right, it's going to be time to push. And I just found it so fascinating. I'm like, and I asked the question, I'm like, how am I going to push if I can't feel my stomach? And she was like, you'll know. Mm. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, being in the fitness industry, movement industry, I'm like, okay, I do know how to cue on my abs. I might not feel it, but I do know, like you still have the ability to create contraction mm. in your, in your muscles. So yeah. And then I dilated when it was time to push, I was able to push and they're, they're like, wow, we haven't seen anybody push a baby out like that. Mm. And like so quick. And it was, and I was, it was so, I was so present with the whole experience, even though not really being able to feel. Hmm. So then, you know, Fast forward a couple of years, now time to birth my second kid and halfway through, you know, um, at his 20 week anatomy ultrasound, we learned that he had a kidney disease. He has a really big, at the time, you know, for baby newborn, very large cysts, lots of them enlarged. So his belly was huge. There is no way. So my first kid I mentioned, I, I did get, while I had the epidural, I was able to deliver him vaginally. Second kid. I had to do a C-section. Mm -hmm. So same thing, like and all of this preparation of like, oh, you know, the whole birth plan is like great to have one, yeah. but be willing to toss it out yeah. and, um, and be okay with that. Like, this is a little side note. It always breaks my heart when I learn of moms who feel devastated that their birth plan didn't go as plan mm -hmm. and they ended up having a medical intervention and feeling that they failed and they didn't do it the way nature said and I'm like yeah. giving too much power I mean it's robs you of like 
the embodiment experience of bringing your child. Yeah. I appreciate you just pausing to like name that and frame that because even how you shared in your, you know, even the first, you know, birth, you had this like, okay, I'm going to be an earth mama and do it naturally. And mm-hmm. even reframe of like, well, realizing, oh, maybe there's some medical intervention, but it's still natural birth. Yeah. And however it goes, like letting off the pressure of you're a failure if you don't get to have this like orgasmic water birth, or even yeah. maybe if it's not orgasmic, maybe just a birth with yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. There's, well, yeah, so, so many ways, so many ways. And yeah, and again, with my second kid, so grateful that we were able to have a team. I ended up because of his kidney disease, we had to birth at Children's Hospital. He had a team of doctors ready to like pounce because of the kidney being so big. They were worried about feeding, breathing, you know, it was on the left side, close to those vital organs. And so, but same thing, you know, I'm getting cut open and I'm just like, I'm, I was just so keenly aware of my surroundings and what Mm -hmm. was happening again, can't really feel much, but at the same time, I had a lot of feeling and it wasn't an overwhelming, like sad feeling or scared feeling. It was like staying really present and checking in with my body that I can't even really feel, but I felt very embodied. So I think embodiment is a really juicy conversation because it's not just one thing. Everybody does it differently at different times of their life. And um, so, yeah, I just kind of hold this. Like I said, I have a brother who's quadriplegic and I'm always like, I find like, I kind of watch him sometimes and he's even like scanning himself of like, Am I, where am I in space? Am I comfortable in my chair? Do I need to do this? Like, you know, with people who are paralyzed, the slightest little annoyance of like a shoe tied too tight or something like that can send them, you know, send their system in haywire. Yeah. So they're constantly, you know, you know, hopefully most people who are experiencing, you know, paralysis, whether it's a lifetime or some, some people, you know, recover from it, but there's always like this internal scanning that you have to do to make sure you're safe in your body and in your surroundings. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's a, to me in the context of this podcast and the conversation of an embodiment, a unique perspective to, to, to bring of even being embodied in, in some state of paralysis of Mm -hmm. whether it be, you know, like the example of your birth. And I think it's beautiful how you were able to sense so much and do you think that that's do you think part of that is because of the amount of work you've done before and you're in this field or do you or just also just you were able to be present with the birth or well I mean I think a little bit of both I mean I can't deny you know I had my kids at mid-30s I've been doing you know been trained as a rolfer for a little over 20 years now. So, um, and then always being before, you know, I later applied structural integration knowledge into a personal training Mm -hmm. realm. While I was always been a student of various movement modalities and I was kind of attracted to more of the mind body ones in my younger age, like Pilates and yoga, things like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I also can't deny the fact that like, you know, growing up, I've always been told, you know, I'm an old soul or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. fire walked when I was oh, like did. 13. At <laughs> like some sort of camp or what? No, my mom. Just um, for fun? <laughs> no, no. No, my mom was exploring um, the new age realm and, okay. you know, I was tagging along when she was going attending Course in Miracles and uh-huh. I attended a, a rebirthing that was a little over my head uh-huh. but um yeah we did a fire walk together and that's pretty incredible at 13 yeah. <laughs> and to have an exposure like yeah. wow wow yeah yeah so um so I think it's a little bit of everything yeah and what's coming to me in this moment is I'm I'm thinking of a handful of clients, but one specific is in my mind that I worked with in in a coaching realm. So not in realm. And when we first started to work together, anytime she would 
you know, try and connect into her body or connect into how she was Mm -hmm. feeling. She just was numb, just numb. Mm -hmm. And I know that that can be a kind of a common experience for people. And so um, I just think it seems interesting to have a little conversation of, you know, is distinguishing if possible um, and maybe even helping folks if they feel like when they connect into their body, it's just like, or how they feel like, I don't know, I don't feel anything, I feel numb of, then also, okay, say there is some degree of somebody has a paralysis or if you, you know, have that for just a temporary, however it may show up, you are very like physiologically numb and, but yet still sensing or still able to sense around. Yeah. Well, I think, again, like I said, I I feel like this is just like one aspect of embodiment and because you are an embodiment podcast and Mm -hmm. have listen to some of your episodes I felt like what I would want what I want to offer is like kind of a, another angle at yeah. it and so you know so I'm kind of experienced talking and sharing my when I, I've, I've felt embodied in lots of different aspects of my life but what's really holding what's keep on coming up for me is yeah the state of paralysis and also the other thing too is and and the whole interoception I'm it's kind of like I'm really on to that right now of course for myself to educating clients but also with my children you know there's a great need to help foster that especially in this you know tech media world yeah um that's and could be a whole nother conversation but um the other thing too is one book that always comes to mind is the gift of fear. Oh, I've heard of it. I have not read that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great book. Okay. I should be know the author's name, but yeah. I'll, I'll is, have a link. Yeah. In the show notes. Yeah. But what was really, I mean, it's a very, it's a very important book. It's also kind of um, just trigger warning. If anybody's reading it, it can be quite heavy mm-hmm. because it's speaking to how you know, it's been, I think a lot of the, the, people spoken in this book happen to be women, but it is speaking to before, you know, a woman, the gift of fear is about, you know, we are, our body is giving us signals of whether we're safe or not safe. This book is talking about not being safe, but we don't listen to it. We override it for whatever. And this is where the not stepping into, okay, if I'm feeling paralyzed, what is this about? And yeah. really sit with that and be like, okay, this is this this is a messaging, yes. and not to override it because some of these women were having some sense of freeze response, mm-hmm. not listening to it because they didn't want to be perceived as, you know, not kind or not listening to the male threat. Like one quick story of, in the book is just like a woman in New York is carrying her groceries up her walk up. A, gentleman comes like oh let me help you you look like you can need help and grabs but while it seems like a nice gesture everything in the person's body was like not safe nice not safe but he's offering I should be kind yeah oh carries the groceries into her apartment shuts the door and now we all know what Mm. happens so and so the the author of this book um Gavin something Gavin I think Basically, he is like an intrinsic investigator. And so he's writing this book because all these victims are saying the same thing, that their body is telling them that they're not safe and they're not listening. So that's what the book, Gift of Fear, is like, listen to that fear and act on it. And who cares if you come off not being nice? So what? If you're not being nice, at least you're 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 safe. You're, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So that's coming back to... um, so the embodiment in the in the place of not feeling is there's there's I believe that there's a lot of potential of listening even when we're not. I feel like you should say that one more time. So it's good. You feel <laughs> like there's a potential of a lot of listening even when we're not. Yes. Or when we maybe think that we're not listening or think that we don't feel much yeah. in our system. Yeah. The likelihood is we actually are. We've just been trained or conditioned mm-hmm. or try to push it down ourselves for so many reasons um, yeah. to not hear that. Yeah. 
So like, yeah. And cool. also there's opportunities to, you know, really tap into embodiment when we are in a really, you know, in a feeling state, rolling around on the floor, shaking. I just want to roll on the floor all the time. Even yeah. you just say the moment, I'm like, yeah, we should roll on the floor. <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 Um, sorry. Yeah. But yes, that and shaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes um, what, what comes to me for that is, is thinking sometimes we have to rev up physicality in order to feel more quiet internal signals, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which can be a really helpful thing of somebody like, okay, I'm just feeling numb or some situation happened in your life. Like it's a lot to process or I can't really tap in. Yeah. Shaking can be an incredible way to do that for a few minutes and then just come into stillness and come into breath Mm -hmm. to hear what may have been before or been, you know, a little too quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to just go a little into kind of your background and story and how you got to the work you do, you Mm -hmm. know, especially because you, yeah, have been trained in Rolfing for 20 years, but I know even before that you were working with the body and, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, so I think I've always been interested in the body and that just coincidentally, my father founded a, a company, hardware and orthopedic tools for your spine. Mm-hmm. So he was the businessman of it. And he was um, worked with two other doctors that like invented the the tools. So my dad worked a ton and the way to bond with him is to hang out with him in his home office. And a lot of times it was watching surgery videos. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause he's watching the surgeries. Like, so he knows how to like sell the equipment at the yeah. next conferences or wherever he's going to sell this stuff. And so, and I thought it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. So I always thought I wanted to be a doctor. Fast forward to where I go to boarding school. You have to volunteer. So we went to school Monday through Saturdays. Mondays was a volunteer day. And I would volunteer at a hospital and I apparently faint really easily around. I do. (laughs) Yeah. So they're like, Nikki, love having you around. You ask great questions. You're a liability. You can't volunteer anymore. Okay. So then I'm like, all right, guess I'm not cut out for this. So I go off and do other things. I volunteer with autistic kids. And so I'm like, I feel like I'm, I was, I've been drawn to, the medical world, but didn't know where that was supposed to be. Cause apparently like, you know, faint really easily, obviously can't be in surgery. Um, while working with autistic kids was, um, enlightening. It was also really hard. Mm-hmm. So I acknowledge that I was not cut out for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So then I just like fumbled around, went to, I, just kind of did the next steps because this is what you're supposed to do. So yeah. then I go to college. The college I go to, I go to um, University of Denver. Their liberal arts degree is kind of like communication street. So I, I, you could kind of go either like PR to like film. It was really open. Mm-hmm. So while sometimes I think, yeah, I have this degree that I didn't do anything with, but it's not really true because I ended up taking a lot of like um, film crit classes. So observing mm-hmm. and with like nonverbal communication and things like that. Mm-hmm. So as we know, that's a big part of what we do. And our work is like watching, watching how people move and not always asking them like, well, what does that feel like? Kind of being the observer. So, but in that, in the halfway through almost, I'm almost actually done with college. I have my brother, I'm the youngest of four. One of my brothers becomes paralyzed, cliff diving and cliff diving in the Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. So through through that, I learned about occupational therapy. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to do this. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But it meant having to start college all over again. And I wasn't close to it, but I was like, all right, I'm just going to graduate and then ski bum, live life and really just kind of do life to see what I really want to do. And I, occupational therapy just like kept on coming around, but I also was like, I do not want to start college all over again. So I now I'm thinking I had gotten Rolf in college because I have scoliosis. Okay. And I, you know, 
it was recommended to do that. Um, I did it. I felt better. I didn't complete the 10 series. I was like, I feel better. I'm done. <laughs> so, um, sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's relatable. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, so, but, uh, you know, am I like occupational therapy? I want to be in the wellness world. What does this look like? And so I dabbled with like, should I go to massage school or rolling? I was already living in Colorado. So I went and, um, I checked out a massage school in New Mexico and then, yeah. So then I was just like, you know what? I think, I think all things that for me, mm-hmm. but honestly, I went there as like a trade, like my passion did not start until I was actually in school. And okay. I kind of felt like the oddball because everybody's like, life, Rolfing changed my life. It's amazing. Oh my God. I can't wait to be here. And I'm like, uh, just, just kind of checking it out. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, um, but obviously it's been a huge passion of mine because that's been my career yeah um do you recall if there was like a turning point when you were in school was it maybe um you know and whatever comes in this moment maybe something you learned or maybe through receiving or giving that you I'm, I'm imagining it's cumulative at moments but I'm just kind of curious if there, it was yeah. the therapeutic relation class really yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it that really drove home to me of and I think that's kind of like you know if you, if you want to kind of believe in like everything that we do kind of adds up, there's some rhyme and reason to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just was really moved by the therapeutic relations class and, and, and also fascinated about how, how we live our life can give shape to our structure mm-hmm. and on, you know, not only from you know, physical, occupational, or, you know, habits. Mm-hmm. It's also, you know, the emotional aspect of how we, how we are, our emotional being can also give shape to our structural being. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of the, the start of it for me was really the, yeah, the therapeutic relationship part of it. And, and I think that's too, like the draw with the occupational therapy. Mm-hmm and less of the you know the fix it moment like you know yeah aspect of it yeah I resonate with that so so yeah so then um I, I and for me at the time I did my training you could do a dual certification so I know you mentioned you took a while to get mm-hmm. certified I did as well I took a year between my phase two and three, I mentored, and then, um, I did my last training in Brazil. Of course. So, um, and you got the movement aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So right out of the gate for me being certified, I was already like movement minded. Awesome. And it also, for me, it just, I, I don't know how they, they just are a perfect little marriage. Like how can they you? are? Yeah, they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 So hmm Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I have two things that I want to ask, but I'll go into, cause it's more specific kind of to, to your work and speaking of raw thing and spe- specifically what you just said, that perfect little marriage, you know, thinking the structural work and the movement before we came on for the interview, you mentioned kind of this not that it's maybe fully new, but fully like new as far as like making a methodology um, and even called like somatic strengthening with some of your clients, Mm -hmm. Um, which I'd love to have you. Yeah. First you can say what you're calling it and, you know, correct anything I said incorrectly. Um, Cause when you said somatic strengthening, I had a very, very clear, distinct in my system and my body way that my system lit up. Mm -hmm. Um, that I'm curious and I'm like, oh yeah, that, that, Mm -hmm. but, but would love to hear what that means to you. Um, yeah. Like what is somatic Mm -hmm. strengthening? Hey, it's Emily. And I'm interrupting this episode to let you know about something special I created just for you. If you're eager to explore a deeper connection with your body and embark on an enriching embodiment journey, I invite you to explore my free Radical Embodiment Toolkit. Inside the toolkit, I share a collection of my favorite practices 
that have helped me to stay present, grounded, and confident while also nurturing the health of my fascia. This resource includes guided body-centered meditations, step-by-step instructions on tending to your body's needs while infusing intention into your emotional and energetic processes, as well as a selection of must-read books for anyone on the embodiment path. I understand that adopting new habits and practices can feel overwhelming, especially when life is busy. So that's why I've designed the toolkit to guide you in gradually incorporating these practices into your life week by week, ensuring that you won't be inundated with information all at once. So to get started, simply visit radicalembodiment.com forward slash embodiment toolkit and sign up to receive your free toolkit directly in your inbox today. So again, it's radicalembodiment.com forward slash embodiment toolkit. I will have that linked in the show notes. All you need to do is go there, sign up with your name, and the toolkit will get emailed directly to your inbox. So I hope you take advantage. I hope you enjoy. I put a lot of time into this toolkit, and I think it's something that's going to continue to evolve and expand. So go get it. Get the free Radical Embodiment Toolkit today. And now back to the episode. Yeah, so... um somatic strength training is what I've kind Mm -hmm. of it's not original it's it's out there but um but it is it's original and I don't think a lot of people are giving time and space for this aspect of our movement strength growth Mm -hmm. is I mean coming back and just taking time to feel into it like even if it's just a basic bicep curl. Yeah. Like when you're doing that, what is, how are you perceiving the weight? Yeah. Where do you, you know, where are you organizing your joints? Because while for sure people can have aches and pains from a disruption in their um, balance of their tissue, one side being short, the agonist antagonist relationship or the tension relationship it's also i think not i i it's hard to say more often than not but for sure it's more of a perception disruption of not knowing where they are in space and how to manipulate or move weight load however we were describing it yeah whether it's just their own body weight or in a traditional gym setting if it's a dumbbell, kettlebell, barbell, whatever, or to, you know, people who, I mean, I have a lot of, no, no shame on Mecca, but I do have a lot of people, Mecca and core power. Those are two popular modalities. Mecca might be a specific Boulder name, right? I don't know. It's the agree method. Yeah. Yeah. Just to put like Mm -hmm. these mega reformers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So those are two popular modalities here in Boulder. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of clients that are coming in um, hurt. They want to mm. keep on doing it. And I support that. I'm not, I, I do not want to shame or say anything is bad. If you find joy in doing it, by all means do it. Yeah. But come back to, and this is where I think people get gains with working with me, is they're empowered in their own innate wisdom to make whatever self-corrections they need to. I love that. To to move yes, and not just do something because a teacher said so. And I welcome people to, you know, challenge me if I'm, if I'm suggesting something they do and they're like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not immediately. Well, why not? I'm like, well, tell me more about that. Yes. Cause that, that's cultivating someone's embodiment. It is. And I think it's also cultivating their trust in their body and trust in listening to their body. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that it's, it's making it more of a conversation where they're feeling into their body to, to describe maybe why they don't aren't sure about that movement to yeah. help support the way you may cue them, but also help support their own awareness and positionality and, and perception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Of what's happening physically in their body in that movement that mm-hmm. might be having them a little oomph about it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, a lot of my work has transitioned into 
a deep dive and an investment, yes, for sure, financially, but also in time, of doing the tissue classic structural integration work coupled with movement. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems really important. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I feel like we're in my practice where real results are happening. Mm -hmm. um, also, my touch is not the traditional heavy handed um, historical heavy into tissue. Mm -hmm. You know, with my continued education classes, a lot of it is from more of the um, osteopathic mm -hmm. lens. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, with that type of work of, you know, them, if they're not feeling it, kind of calling in, like, well, come meet me a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, or, if, you know, if the, there is an edge that needs to get pushed on a little bit, willing to do that, mm -hmm. but never where people are holding their breaths. Like I always say with new clients, if you're holding your breath and you're waiting for me to stop touching you, then that pressure is too much. Yes. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't say the exact same, but I'm like, if you're holding your breath, noticing yourself tensing up elsewhere, checking out of your body, that's the sign your nervous system's in a danger response. Not going to be useful in a therapeutic context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. Right. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like some old school rolfers might have some, some, something to say about that, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I use, you know, I use a, a, a spectrum, but mm -hmm. I, I use some deep kind contact for sure yeah um but trying to, to be on that the edge of where it's you know could be maybe that hurts so good or there's still be but being able to be relaxed and receive mm -hmm. yeah um so I'm kind of curious to kind of going back into well one what I want to name just in this regards to the somatic strength training which you, it, it's a term it's around but I don't know if I haven't heard it or it, has, it just registered a new way for me, what happened in my body. And I yeah, think I what you're getting that. at was I felt kind of like my deeper scalp, like my bone level, like light up in this like subtle, like lift while more extrinsic, larger muscles softened. Yeah. Rolfing, you know, but yeah, but, but like in a regard to, I imagined myself, you know, I just this morning was at the gym doing some heavy weights and doing strength and like imagining myself back there, if I had a barbell or weights, how that might evoke a very different movement that from an external trained or untrained eye may look similarly, but my actual perception would be deeply different. And I thank you that your body, you gave a very great response because my, body, my body's ready. It's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, Emily. Well, because that, that, that is it because I think modern lifestyle has quieted our intrinsic stabilizers. And so then when we're out and about doing our things that we like to do, you know, it we're we're starting, we're moving more from the the bigger muscles. Mm -hmm. Of course, everything's working together. Sure. So it's not, a, you know, I'm careful because I know it's a big thing out there in the fitness world. Like we don't have sleepy glutes or your glutes aren't working. Um, but they're not working if, if we're having, let's say if someone's having some kind of, um, sciatic discomfort or mm -hmm. low back pain, it is worth looking at, like, how are they firing? And, yes. you know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of our work is I work inside line a lot and I'm often, you know, I'll check in on the glutes and I'm like, I don't feel enough like glute max. I'm like, right, you know, right in on the deep six, mm -hmm. the, you know, the deeper intrinsic muscles, and, you know, and these are people who, you know, they appear fit. They, they have the, 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 the muscle definitions and this and that can lift heavy, you know, do their mountain biking, skiing, me mega hikes and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily in the, what well, is in the way of them, their performance, cause they're uncomfortable. Yeah. They're still doing their things. So, um, so yeah, coming back to really bringing everything online in a way that builds up that, that internal to extrinsic strength. I love and that. I think that it gets, and not, you know, not all the time, but sometimes it does get missed, you know, mm -hmm. get missed, missed for sure. I think it can easily you, get missed even with like incredible 
coaches and support. If, yeah. if maybe that intention isn't in their lens somewhere, mm-hmm. I think it can get really, I, yeah. Yeah. And who's to say, I mean, some of that can, can come from like, you know, it, it, I think it depends on your personality. I think we both can agree that like lying on the floor and tapping into those intrinsics is super fun. But some people are like, I'm not sweating. I'm not like, I'm not breathing heavy. What's the point? Da, 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 da. Yeah. Having the patience for that can be a true struggle for some people. Yeah. So again, coming back to embodiment is like, make that exciting. Yeah. And making it benefit, like teaching and educating and empowering the, the, the reason why we need that. And with that knowledge should kind of excite them a little bit and get them online to be like, Oh, I got to pay attention to this. Mm-hmm. So I can better recruit mm-hmm. and get the desired ad- adaptations I want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I get it, you know, my body totally changed a lot after two kids. And that's where I was going to go. That's, yeah. Yeah. I was curious to have you talk about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting one. It's an, um, I haven't, I, prior to kids and well into like my mid thirties, you know, I being fit or lean came very easily for me. I never had to diet, never felt overweight. So for most of my adult life, you know, I had the, you know, the, the, you know, I wouldn't say the ideal body, but, um, I had, and maybe still do, but definitely then a body that people desired that I didn't have to work so hard for. Mm-hmm. So, um, so then after kids that changed drastically. And for me, um, I luckily I did not get postpartum depression, but I definitely got the baby blues and I definitely experienced and in that the baby blues a little bit was also what came up was a deep grief for my independence mm-hmm. and why I absolutely love my kids. And to this day, still constantly changing my schedule that is, you know, for their needs. Um, yeah, I just, I, that was a, a big miss for me. And in that grieving, I did not do the homework that I probably should have been doing to build up my, core strength again and um and still and it's still a very humbling experience of managing interdominal pressure because mm-hmm. I did get um uh I have rectus diastasis and an umbilical hernia so I don't have the the tissue union mm-hmm. is something I have to work with and um so and yeah carry a little bit more weight than I have in my past but the thing is, is it's like in all that, well, yes, I probably would like, yeah, I would like to be a few more pounds lighter. I also still feel really good in my body and I don't, I don't feel ugly or overweight or, you know, I don't have this, but what is annoying is sometimes I have to, while I'm feeling good, I'm having to contend with the other, the outside world. Mm-hmm. who are you know um judging me mm-hmm. a little bit and some of it's kind of innocent like mm-hmm. I saw a little pouch and they're like mm-hmm. you're pregnant again and I'm like who said that like people you know or oh no. and you won't do the names but I just mean like yeah I mean obviously not people I know well because they, they know me in your but um God, I can't I'll think tell of you what, what comes out of people's mouths in relationship to yeah. what they want to say about somebody else's body yeah. is, um, yeah. Yeah. It just like, it feels blatantly like, yeah. obviously not. It's mostly like strangers at the swimming pool. Cause I'll rock out a bikini and be totally fine with it. Right. Like, yeah. You're having another kid. And uh, I'm like, no, no, this is, this is just my food baby. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, Cause it's like, it looks like the beginning, I'm obviously not like huge, but it does look like the beginning of a, of a pregnant belly because that is the shape that I'm still, while I'm not pregnant, that's my, um, fascial organization right now. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And I having, and I, and I own, 
I have not stayed disciplined to keep on um, trying to maintain that shape mm -hmm. because yeah, I got two kids, busy practice You're and employed. Yeah. 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 So, um, but it hasn't stopped. And so that's more of an aesthetic thing. Um, but it hasn't stopped me. So I can say some people can be really judgy. I also love it because people will comment at the gym like, wow, you're really strong. Oh, yeah. But it's the dynamic movements I'm doing, not because I'm like hoisting up, you know, crazy amount of weight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I just appreciate you even just like like saying, okay, maybe I haven't been as good, like so diligent at this homework, but it as you language out there's zero from what I perceive, judgment, shame, wrongness. It's just like it just is. And and I think that that's important because any of us, but I think probably particularly new moms, all this excess pressure. And then it's like, okay, I got to do this thing or this exercise. And mm -hmm. the the potential of then holding some self-judgment for not being able to do it all. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's important to like be able to hear from mom and like, hey, we can all kind of heal that together and you're doing the best you can. And yeah. And who says that my body has to go back to what it was before kids? Yeah. I'm a different person. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a different age. Yeah. Totally. So, you know, I had kids later in my life and I have like a sweet window spot of, and I, I'm saying this because I'm also kind of wanting to help give space to not naming things. Like I was just about to say, I have a sweet spot between like postpartum to menopause, but it's not to say that I'm free of hormonal fluctuations mm -hmm. during that time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I'm the only woman in my household. I have two boys married to a man and have two dogs that are boys. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and there has been moments in, I guess, in my pre menopause stage where rage became a thing and I'm a pretty chill person so when rage started coming up mm -hmm. I was like oh my god why are I want to like everybody's driving me crazy mm -hmm. <laughs> so but I'm like what is this and happened to speak to um a friend who was older and from more familiar and she's like oh that that sounds like uh your perimenopausal stuff and um I, the languaging too is like my, of course I went and bought all the books and doing this big deep dive. Perimenopause is supposed to be actually when you're not gotten your period. That's that weird time of haven't gotten your period, but you might get a surprise period. So you're not sure, really right. into, mm -hmm. uh, like, mm -hmm. so sometimes perimenopause is being used for premenopause. Mm -hmm. So got uh, it. That's, that's a good to just because that's in my head. I think I've been hearing a lot of women in my life be talking about perimenopause, but I think likely more pre-menopause. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I, um, you know, my husband was like, Oh, mom's, mom's going to be crazy soon. Cause then also talking about when I'm, you know, about to get my period. And I'm like, you know what? We don't need to make me sound like a lunatic mm -hmm. this. And I'm like, I know this is something that like for generations, has been uh, used and accepted, but I'm changing that dialogue in this house because these kids are not going to grow up thinking when women have moods that they're insane and stuff like that. Like, yeah, we are hormonal beings for a reason. Yes, because we, while we do need the support of the other half gender. Mm -hmm. It is all happening in here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there is a reason why there's these hormonal changes to give support to life. And that isn't, a, you know, that's not lunatic behavior. So I love that. So good. And the other that. little embodiment dose. It's good. It's good. <laughs> yes. Um, so kind of to kind of wrap us up, if somebody is wanting to, you know, live a more embodied life and like make that choice on like a daily basis to like be in their body listen to their body what you know is there a suggestion or practice something you might have to say to them uh, I, I think it's as simple as like getting comfortable 
of seeing yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, there's I could give like try this exercise or this breathing technique, but really getting comfortable looking at yourself and loving yourself and in and in moments of when you might you might not always feel loving towards yourself, but giving permission that we are, are we're constantly changing as we're aging and as we're aging our environment's changing and just be okay with the beam I love that beautiful yeah awesome so where can people find out more about you and your work my website is my name Nikki Olson.com and right now pretty basic website soon in the new year I will have some online offerings so awesome. you, Instagram at move freely live simply okay is another good place where cool. where I hang out okay cool and I'll have those linked yeah yeah, yeah to check it out and yeah. yeah especially if there are some upcoming offerings um so if you are intrigued and curious about what Nikki had to set an offer, yeah, check out her website. I would imagine you have a mailing list. I'd get on that. I don't. Just but... kidding. She doesn't. I'm working on it. She will. I shouldn't. I imagined incorrectly. Yeah. Um, still a little behind the times. So That's all good. Something... Get on her Instagram. Then yeah. You'll see. Yeah. 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 Awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. Um, thank you, Nikki, for being here. Uh, this thank was you really, for having me. Yeah. I really um, think you had... I gained a lot from what you had to share. I know, and I'm sure our listeners did. Um, yeah, some really, I think, helpful perspectives to hear and um, a lot of great wisdom too. So thank you. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Thanks everyone for tuning in and go check out Nikki's website and her Instagram. Take care. Thank you for joining me on this journey of radical embodiment you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to take a moment and leave a review for the Radical Embodiment podcast on Apple Podcast. Your feedback and support are invaluable in spreading our message of self-acceptance and body positivity to a wider audience. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Thank you again for tuning in. Until next time, stay courageous, stay intentional, and stay radically embodied.